Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, as I'm getting set up here. Matthew chapter 4. There's nothing like anticipating getting into God's Word by singing about what it means to be in Christ alone. Right? To have a solid rock to stand on. No matter what went on this morning, no matter what went on this week, we've got a rock in Jesus, an immovable, unshakable rock. And we get to step in to His Word and hear the voice of the Good Shepherd every Sunday. We get to step in. And I tremble before the task, but I know God just shows up every week. Just like the sun rises, right? And it's like, He did it again. <laughs> he did it again. The sun is up. God speaks when His Word is proclaimed. Amen? So let's come to the Lord and ask Him to visit us now and give us a word. Father, we thank You for Your faithfulness, Lord, to us. We thank You for the, the privilege of getting into the Word of God. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God, and we will trust in the Word of the Lord our God. And so, Father, we pray that You would help us in this time that our hearts would be open, that we would hear the voice of God and the words of Scripture, that You would guard my mouth, Lord, that I would not sin against You in word or deed, but Lord, that I would speak Your Word and teach Your Word in power and in grace and in truth. And Lord, that we would get a sense of the text and that, that we would sense, Lord, that You are on this Word and that You would apply it into every nook and cranny of our soul. Lord, where we need encouragement, lift us up. Where we need rebuke, Lord, speak a word that would rebuke us. Where we need to be spurred on and encouraged in the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord, that we would just see a vision of Jesus in all His glory. And Lord, that we'd be able to put ourselves in the world of this passage, Lord, in, in, in Matthew 5 and get some help. Because we need You. We need Your grace and we need Your power. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, come and blow upon this time that we might get help. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we're going to step into a passage of Scripture that you're all familiar with in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus is going to call His disciples. Now it may be uh, a little bit um, as we step into it, I'm, I'm going to have us read it up front. And, and we may see it, it seeming like this is the first time Jesus encounters the disciples. But as we read in our Scripture reading, Jesus had been doing ministry among Peter and the other disciples for probably about a year or so before He calls them in a very specific way in this passage. So let's look at it. And I want you guys to imagine like 
you are on the shores of Galilee, right? The, the Sea of Galilee and the, the wandering Jew, the King of Kings, the, the one who God had promised from of old comes and he speaks a word to his disciples that changes everything in their lives and changes history. And is the reason you and I gather here for worship today. 2,000 years later. So let's read chapter 4 and verse 18 to 22. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. Probably because they caught a whole bunch of fish the night before, as we heard earlier, right? But Jesus calls them and he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father, and followed him. Just a few short version, or a few short verses, and we get a vision of Jesus here that reminds us that we live in a world where there are so many competing voices. There are so many voices on the landscape vying for your time, vying for your attention, seeking to get you to listen to what they have to say, right? We're constantly inundated in social media. We're constantly being uh, advertised to about what we absolutely need, what would make our life better, what would give us greater satisfaction and joy. And you only have to turn on the TV for a few moments to see, right? That we have many voices in the world who tell us that they speak with the authority that we ought to listen to them. Whether it's political leaders or whether it's those in our school system or whether it's those who would declare you're on the wrong side of history. And you ought to get with the spirit of the age and believe a certain way about what God's design is for human flourishing in this world. So many of us just have voices from all over the place. Right? And we encounter in this passage, Jesus coming onto the shores of Galilee, walking along the sea. And He sees His four disciples there who are not totally committed yet. And they come to a crossroads. And the voice of the Son of God speaks. The voice of the King of Kings. The Ancient of Days. The One who is and was and is to come. The One who the book of Revelation says His eyes are like a flame of fire. 
And He sees the heart. He's the Lord of the storm and He can calm the storms with a word. He has the power over the demonic realm to speak a word to demons and they depart. And He has the power to do what nobody else could do. He could pronounce to people like the paralytic being lowered in through the roof. Son, your sins are forgiven. And this king, this king comes saying to four men who were fishing, just going about ordinary, everyday life. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. It's as if into the, the void of all sorts of voices. And there were all sorts of religious voices. There was all sorts of political voices in that day. You had Herod speaking a word about what was good and right and trying to shape religion in some ways. You had the Pharisees speaking in and, 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 and encouraging a works righteousness. You got to earn it. You got to be a, 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 a religious elite. There were all sorts of voices from temple prostitution to those who were just foul-mouthed fishermen, right? Going about their business, catching fish like a few Navy men out there on the waters. Jesus comes in with a definitive voice and speaks like nobody else. And He reminds us that He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the one who says to us, along with the apostles back then, follow Me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I'm going to make something of you. I'm going to do something in your life. And I just think about this. In the culture we live in, we are being hit from every side. And people are making truth claims all over the place. And the Proverbs still ring true when they say there's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, that way is death. And Jesus comes onto the scene as the Prince of Life and says, just one sentence that changed the world. One sentence that changed the lives of four individuals that would become 12 individuals, that would become a fledgling church that would take over and spread a global mission across the world about a crucified Messiah who rose up out of the grave and He lives. And He calls people saying, follow Me and I will make you fishers of men. I was driving today and I saw a, a little cat sort of hobbling along the road and it looked like one of its paws was injured, so it was just hopping on three legs, and it looked really just miserable, mangy, and 
in pain. You could kind of just see it sort of as it hobbled, trying to get by, trying to sort of just eke along. And I started to see like a picture of, of, of helplessness, a picture of just trying to kind of struggle to get by. And Jesus' call to us to follow Him reminded me that there's a version of Christianity that is just about saying you believe in Jesus, but there's no commitment to follow Christ. There's a version that will sign a card, may even get baptized, but the commitment to follow Jesus as Lord of all? Now that's another story. There's a version of Christianity that will go a little ways with Jesus. will take in a little bit, as the parable on the sower reminds us. There's some that are going to fall by the thorny ground. And the cares of the world are going to come in and choke out the life of God and the Word of God. And it's not going to take root and it's going to wither. Or there's going to be stony ground, right? Hearers, where the seed goes in and they immediately receive with joy and then the troubles and tribulation of life come and knock you down. And then you decide perhaps following Jesus isn't all it's cracked up to be. I didn't realize there was going to be hardship. I didn't realize there was going to be suffering. I didn't realize there was going to be persecution. And Jesus is summoning four men and all of us today, because this word is for our good and for our edification. He's summoning four men to follow him with everything. He's summoning four men from their whole livelihoods to leave everything. To leave even their families. And follow him. Imagine how staggering that is. And my prayer in my heart is just for those who may be like that cat, hobbling on three legs because discipleship never happened in their life. They got excited about Christ at one point, but, but something just wasn't right. And so they're hobbling around on three legs and something's broken spiritually. And the King is calling us to something vitally real. To something intimately profound. He's summoning us to a relationship, not just a religion. He's summoning us to a walk with Him, not just a talk about Him. He's summoning us to see Him as the King and to submit ourselves under Him as Lord. And the disciples made no bones about immediately dropping everything and following Him. And they just heard one sentence from the King of glory. Follow me and I 
will make you fishers of men. So the first thing we want to see is like Jesus is actually a king who calls. Jesus is somebody who has the credentials. He has the authority. He is the only one we should be listening to when it comes to what is right and true and good. And when it comes to the way of salvation. And when it comes to the blueprint for what it means to be a disciple, Jesus has the credentials, right? And in just the earlier context, we see in chapter 3 at the very end, we see Jesus' baptism. Verse 13 says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him. John's like saying to him, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me because he knew this is the sinless lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What am I doing baptizing him? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, listen to this. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It's as if the Father was bearing witness from heaven. This is my Son that I sent to you. Unless you think He's being baptized because of His sins, I'm well pleased with Him. He's the sinless Son of God. And He was being baptized to identify with us because He came from heaven to earth to take on flesh. This is the Son of God. This is Emmanuel right from the beginning of Matthew. The angel appears and speaks a better word to Joseph saying that this is Emmanuel. Don't worry about Mary. Don't worry about what's going on in her womb. This is of the Holy Spirit. His name shall be Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. And you shall call his name Emmanuel. Why? Because it means God with us. So when Jesus calls, when King Jesus calls, it's the Son of God. It's God with us. It's the one who took on flesh and dwelled among us. Fully God, fully man, to live a perfect life in our place. And he's the one whom the Father is well pleased and unlike Adam, who sinned in the garden and plunged us into a curse. And we all sin along with him. We have all broken God's commandments. God sent somebody with whom he was well pleased. To be our substitute, to be our sacrifice. To be the one who would call us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. To be the one standing on the shores of Galilee. Standing before the people of God. Standing before the, the, the Jews of the day and summoning men to himself. Not everybody believed. But these men heard the call, follow me. 
and I will make you fishers of men. And they heard the call of a king. Have you heard that call? Have you heard that call on your life? Have you heard that call in a way that spoke directly to your heart, that drew you out of your former way of living? Because that's exactly what was happening in the lives of the disciples. He was calling them out of something. He was calling them to an immediate, decisive following after him in faith, right? That's what we see right there in verse 19. Follow me. He's not saying you do you and then go along with Christianity. And that means you're a disciple of Jesus. He said, follow me. He didn't say follow your gut. The heart is desperately wicked, right? Who can know it? He said, follow me. Make my voice authoritative. Live for me. And I'm going to make you something. I'm going to make you into fishers of men. It was like Jesus was drawing them out of the world. He was drawing them out of their former way of living into a new kind of living, into a new kind of call, into a new kind of commitment, into a commitment to go fishing for souls. And you have to have your soul made right with Jesus before you can do any fishing for men and women. And so with Jesus' call comes a summoning to come to terms with your sin before a holy God instead of going the way of the world, instead of going after the things that the world values. Right? The American dream. If I just have the right house and the right spouse and a few children, everything's good. But you can have all of that and lose your soul. What would it profit a man if he gained it all? But he lost his soul. Kids, you're going to have times where people are going to tell you in school, they're going to tell you this is what's right and you ought to do it. You ought to put all your trust in this. There's voices speaking to you through media. There's voices speaking to you through peers, pressuring you to do things that would dishonor Christ. And Jesus is speaking to you today and saying, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Follow me is the call of Jesus Christ to anybody who senses the darkness in their own heart, who realizes they're broken. Jesus said, I didn't come to summon the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He didn't call those who thought they had it all put together. He had some of the most scathing rebuke for the religious hypocrite. For those who said a lot of nice things about religion and maybe even nice things about Jesus. 
but their hearts were far from God. That's not what we see here in the text. We see an immediate and decisive response to follow Jesus as Lord. Look at it in verse 19, and we're going to trace it right through to verse 22. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And look at verse 20. What does it say? Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother. And they were in the boats with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. And what's their response? Immediately, immediately they left their boat and their father. They left their livelihood and they left the closest family relationship they had. It's as if Jesus was saying to them, will you forsake all? Will you abandon all to follow me? Not to minimize the relationship we have with fathers and mothers, or the, the, the not everybody's going to be called, right, to leave their job when they get saved, but some will. Not everybody's going to be called to just go halfway around the world on a missions uh, trip or to commit their life to reaching an unreached people group, which means being far from family. That is a call. And ultimately, Jesus was summoning these men and they left everything. All comfort to follow Christ. If Jesus is who he says he is, and he is. That means radical discipleship involves total commitment. Decisive commitment. Making a break at the very least from your former way of life. Every one of you who are Christians in here, who follow Jesus as Lord, who are disciples, were called decisively at some point to forsake your former way of life, living in sin and for self, and to turn from that and to follow Jesus. Look at verse 17. Like Jesus is, is talking like this right before this encounter. From that time Jesus began to preach saying, what? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So if you have not turned away from sin in your life, if you've not turned away from rebellion against God, then you're not a disciple of Jesus because Jesus calls us to an immediate and decisive break with the world. Now, notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, all right, y'all, I want you to clean up your language. I want you to attend synagogue. I want you to do a lot of religious activity and then follow me. I, I, I want you even to get baptized, then follow me. He doesn't say clean yourself up and follow him. He says, follow me. Come as you are. Come in your sin. Come in your brokenness. Come in your pain. Come in your grief. Come in your sorrow. Come in your fractured marriages. Come in the midst of your broken heart 
and bring yourself to Jesus as a needy sinner who recognizes he is standing or she is standing before a holy God every moment of the day and we failed to love God and we failed to love others. And if we think deeply about it, we have broken so many of God's commandments every single day. And it starts with the very first one. To love Him above all else. And if you can't do that, you will not love others well. Jesus did not call the righteous, but the unrighteous. He didn't call those who were cleaned up, but the unclean. He didn't call the whole, but the broken. And He takes your fractured life and He brings about abundant life. He takes your brokenness and He brings in saving blessing. And so when these men get a whiff of the reality that the King who could transform your heart from the inside out and change you and make you new and cleanse you and forgive you is calling you to follow Him, they left it all. But you say, maybe, maybe you're just clinging to something in the past. Jesus can't fix that, you think. He can't, this is so bad that he cannot fix it. This is so bad that he can't undo it. This is so bad that you've got to bury it underneath loads and loads of distraction, binging Netflix and, and getting everything else into your mind so you just can't think about it anymore. No, Jesus wants to clean your heart. Jesus wants to rescue your soul. Jesus is calling sinners to repentance. And He seeks and saves that which is lost. Are we going to cling to the past? Or trust Christ for the present? Are we going to cling to our pain? Or walk with the Prince of Life who promises to be with you in your pain? You don't have to go through life broken, battered, and in pain without the presence of the one who said, even if you go through the valley of the shadow of death, you shall fear no evil. Why? Because the good shepherd's with you. He's with you in the midst of pain. So I think about this and I, I realize like we realize as we're looking at this, this isn't a call to become a part of a social club or a social network. This is a, a call to become a part of a revolution, a kingdom that is broke into this world that is a saving, powerful kingdom that can transform broken people and make them into what God has intended them to be. Image bearers. 
who have a relationship with him, who can enjoy him, who can be called to be a part of the mission of God to bring life to a world that is dead in sin. And that just means we're born into sin, right? We're born bent in the wrong direction. The wages of sin is death. There's a brokenness that has come upon us all because of what happened in the garden. And, it, and, and we see it in our relationships. We see how it breaks up relationships. We see how it divides us even internally. It fractures our hearts. We want to do the wrong thing, even though we often strive to do the right thing. We find ourselves gravitating towards the wrong. And every child, you can see it. It's like almost this natural sort of thing. They want to, to go in the wrong direction. And you've heard me say it before. You say, don't go into the cookie jar. Don't go into that pantry. And what happens? They're like green berets trying to get up into that cookie jar. Because we're broken. Jesus is not calling us to a social club. He's not calling us to, to a sort of new religion. He's calling us to have new life that transforms us from the inside out and grips us in such a way that we count the cost of discipleship. Lest we think the Christian road is not a road to suffering, all through the New Testament, we have the witness of the Apostle Paul. It's through many tribulations you will enter the kingdom. Or we have the words of Jesus just a little bit later in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus told his disciples, if any would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Why? For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whatever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? This is a call to costly discipleship. This is a call to step into a world that will persecute. To step into hard places. To go into difficult conversations. To be perhaps one that God is summoning to go around the world and bring the name of Jesus to an unreached people group that might hate you for it. And you labor for 10 years with no converts and pleading with God to do a work. And just when you thought it was hopeless, an outbreak of revival hits. But it was a painful road. That happens all the time. It's through many dangers, toils, and snares that we have already come. With no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. How can we sing that without knowing the call to a costly discipleship? Jesus calls and disciples follow. And notice he's calling us to take up our cross. That was an instrument of torture and capital punishment. Be ready to die for my name's sake. Every single one of the apostles but one died a martyr's death. Some were crucified. 
Some were clubbed with, with clubs, clubbed to death. Some were stoned. Some were beheaded. Some were crucified upside down like the Apostle Peter. Some were thrown from the pinnacle of the temple like James, who was in this very passage. What must have happened to them that they'd be willing to do that? They experienced the call of Jesus. They experienced the transforming power of His life and death and resurrection. And then they just began to bear witness to it. Because if this one can raise from the dead, if this is one who can make death work backwards, then I have nothing to fear. And He promises to be with me in the hard things. They hated me and they will also hate you, He said. And finally, what do we see in this text? But there's a calling that turns into a commission, right? A calling that turns into a commission. Look at it in verse 19 once again. Right? What, what does it say? What does it speak but thunder forth? Follow me. And what? I will make you fishers of men. So He calls us to discipleship. To follow Him. He calls us to count the cost. He calls us to immediate and decisively following after Him. And then He promises to make you into a disciple-making Disciple. That's the power of Jesus. He's calling fishermen to catch souls. And they can't do that with their natural abilities. He's calling fishermen who are used to mending nets, throwing nets out, catching fish, to become preachers of God's Word and speak the Gospel and trust that the power of God will break in. And beloved, He calls every single Christian to do the very same thing. Listen to, to, to how He puts it. He, he, he ends this Gospel. Matthew ends this Gospel by pointing to the words of Matthew or Jesus in Matthew 28. And this is where Jesus' calling becomes a great commission. Right? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He doesn't say, go and get decisions. He doesn't say, go and get people to sign cards. He doesn't say, go and try to manufacture this thing in human strength and just persuade people without the power of God. No, he says, go and make disciples and you cannot do that unless you have power. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. And the message has not changed in 2,000 years. It's still, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish in the judgment. But what? But have eternal life. The Gospel reminds us that we were born in sin, that we are broken people headed for hell without hope in this world, and the Prince of life enters in. And He calls us all 
every one of us. Turn from your sins and follow me. And he commissions his people with the message, go declare what I've done. Go talk to them about the bloodiness of the cross. Go talk to them about the fact that I went to Calvary and I died for sinners. I was crucified to bear the wrath of God that we deserve to bear. There is no getting over your sin and your failure and your struggles in life apart from a crucified king. And there is no getting over the haunted specter of death apart from a risen Savior who conquered death in victory. Behold, King Jesus on the Sea of Galilee, summoning disciples to Himself and saying, follow Me and I will make you fishers of men. Smithfield, who will rise to the call of Christ? Who will listen to this King? We can't just resign ourselves to sit back and entrust the task to another Billy Graham. As if Billy could do it all by himself. He can't throw the world on his back. Jesus commissioned the church to do it. And sure, he raises up evangelists, but he calls us all to be fishers of men. And we cannot dodge this task and say it is not for me. Because if you're in Christ, it is definitely for you. I was reading an illustration in a book the other day about a fire that had broke out in this city and a building was on fire and a fireman was summoned to the building and there was burning and flames and screaming and cries for help. And all the while, the fireman was in his vehicle and he had his AirPods on and he couldn't hear anything. Couldn't hear the screaming, couldn't hear the crying, couldn't hear the calling forth of families who were perishing in the flames. And the author of this book said, what would you feel about a fireman who's that negligent? Who is just totally inoculated to the pain and suffering and urgent need right before him. Who has totally drowned out everything and doesn't see the need for rescue and neglects the very duty to which he was called. And then this book says you were the fireman. That's you, Christian, if you don't share Christ with a needy world. That's you with the air, AirPods on. If you don't share Christ with a needy world, because they are perishing. And thousands and thousands of people are perishing every single day without this news. And there are 3.2 billion people on the planet who have never even heard the name of Jesus. So who will go? 
who will be disciples who make disciples. That's why we meet on Wednesday to get equipped to take this message into the world, to deal with challenges, to get encouraged, to get, to get rock under our feet as we think about this task. Like, what are we going to do? We have opportunities, brothers and sisters. You come, get equipped, take the name of Jesus to this world that is desperately needy for it. It is the words of Christ to us. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. So we've seen the king who calls. We've seen the calling to follow. And we've seen the commission to make disciples of the world. Maybe you're here today. And you know things are not right between you and God. Maybe you fall into the category of one of those who never really became a disciple of Jesus. Yes, Jesus was something important to you in a one-time decision, and then things fell off the rails. You've not been living for Jesus. You've been doing it on your own. You've been doing it on your own in a you-do-you culture, and Jesus is calling you back and saying, follow me, commit to me, make an immediate decisive decision to go hard after me. To look to me. And I will make you fishers of men. I will heal your brokenness. I will forgive your sins. Maybe those words need to echo in our hearts. And we need to hear it in a fresh way from the Apostle Paul who just says something similar in the book of Romans. He says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, here, follow me. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for with the heart one believes and is justified or made right before God. Do you need to be made right before God? It will not happen apart from submitting your life to Jesus in faith. Confessing. You need it. Agreeing with God. You've broken His commandments. You've sinned against His holiness. You have made a mess of your life. But Jesus is exactly who you need to clean it all up. He came to call sinners, not the righteous. For with the heart one believes and is justified, that's when you get declared righteous. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So, I bid you, come to Christ. Follow Him today. Don't settle for a complacent Christianity that denies discipleship. Because you may be on the road to perishing and without real salvation at all. And Jesus says, I'm calling you to follow me.
Let's pray. Father, I pray right now, Father, that you would encourage your bride, your church, to rise up like with wings of eagles. Lord, that we would rise up in faith, that we would rise to the call, that we would hear the voice of the good shepherd, and that we would be mobilized for mission. Lord, that we would be excited about sharing the gospel. Lord, that you would encourage us, Lord, to participate in Wednesday nights. Lord, that we would get help there to learn how to share the gospel, spurred on by the stories of how you're doing work in one another's lives. Lord, you're, you're creating opportunities. You're opening doors. You're drawing people to hear the message. And so, Father, we thank you that we get to be caught up in this great mission that, that was started over 2,000 years ago and that we have been called in this moment, this time, for such a time as this. And Lord, I pray that you would just cause us to have ignited faith to follow after you. And Lord, just make us fishermen. And Father, I pray for those who are here today. They're without Christ. Or they've compromised their relationship and they're just not even sure anymore. Father, I pray that you would call them to yourself. That they would hear the words of Jesus speaking to them. You follow me. And Lord, give them faith to turn from their sin and trust in Christ alone to save them. Father, bless this time as we consider this song. May you be drawing us to you. May you be encouraging us to respond to your words. Follow me. In Jesus' name, amen.